Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What's up, guys? Doing this uh, recording a little earlier than usual, so sorry if it sounds like there's a frog in my throat. But I uh, had Chaz on yesterday. Wanted to get this episode out as soon as possible. We had a fun conversation, as always. And he was on today to talk a little bit about his newest book and then also uh, the Bets slash Neff Castle, as it's referred to, in Florida. And as you know, hopefully... Chaz does a lot of uh, paranormal research, does a lot of ghost hunting, and he's uh, he does it in a cool way. I actually really do enjoy how he does this stuff. It's not corny. It's not like the bullshit that you see on TV. He actually gets out there and does some really cool stuff and looks at it from a logical perspective. If something moves by the wind, he doesn't say, oh, that was for sure a ghost. And, you know, just it, it, he does a good job with what he does here. And I'm going to share with you um, from change.org the petition. It's the it's in the, the bio here for the episode. Change.org, and uh, it's Save the Bets slash Neff Historical House. Really easy to sign it. I signed it. He just started this petition. Only a couple of supporters so far, and uh, I did sign it. It's very easy. When it asks you um, to either donate or to share the thing, you don't even have to do either. You can skip both of those if you just want to simply sign. And uh, that's what I did. I, I signed it, didn't um, share it with anyone other than you guys, and I didn't donate. So it takes two seconds to go do, and it uh, means a lot to some uh, paranormal researchers out there. And if nothing else, if you're not into paranormal research, just history. I mean, this would be like the erasing of history if this thing were to go away. And um, we're supposed to be against that as a community. So... Here's a chance to make a little bit of a difference. And here is his new book. It's called A Place Between Time and Space, A True Story About Ghosts, UFOs, and Florida's Strangest Home. Really, really interesting. You can buy it for $6.66 on Kindle. Kindle, sorry. And um, Or you can get the actual physical book for $16, basically. Um, yeah, really good dude. Um, kind of obviously trolling a little bit with the price there. Some of you Christians out there might not enjoy that too much, but, um, you know, he is a good guy, and I, I enjoy talking with him. We talked about a lot of shit here. We talked about some of the history of the house, and um, 
he gets into the ghost stories, which are very, very interesting, and then some really cool UFO stuff, too. There's something with a, a weird metal sphere that uh, that he talks about and that was very, very interesting. I was kind of just like zoning in to what he was saying. I didn't really have much feedback on it. Really, really cool stuff. I hope that we can save this out. He's actually been in this place. It's kind of cool. So um, I haven't been there. Probably won't ever get to go there. But nonetheless, uh, his videos on it are pretty darn interesting. It's on government land. So he had to like sneak in here. Do some real cool shit um, in order to get the footage that he has. So, I hope that you enjoyed this episode a little bit different than the ones I do. You know, I don't touch too much on paranormal stuff, but why not? You gotta mix it up every once in a while. And this one truly was fun, so I hope that you enjoy it. Hope that you'll support Chaz's work. He also has a website, chazofthedead.com. Uh, writes a lot of cool articles. And um, just a real busy dude. And real passionate about his work, so... Hope to see uh, some support over on that petition, and I just hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Here is Chaz from ChazOfTheDead.com. Enjoy. All right, everybody, I've got Chaz here. You've heard him on my show, actually, a couple times at this point. Uh, We talked about bee theory, which was dope, blew some people's minds, the levitation technology with the bees, and uh, he runs ChazOfTheDead.com. Uh, pretty cool little uh, Instagram presence, and uh, he's a TikToker as well, if I'm not mistaken. You're one of those oh, cool yeah. kids that does TikTok, dude. So, um, no, I'm really in- those trends. <laughs> yeah, you got to stay up to date with that stuff. I don't do it. I think that TikTok <laughs> is 90% bots, personally, but I'm interested. Oh, to hear- it definitely is. I, <laughs> I see the usernames and shit that who follow me and whatnot. It's it's worse than Twitter when it comes to the bot shit, but. Yeah. Hey man, people don't seem to mind. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Well, hey, you know, if you if you can uh grow your platform there, um, then I say go for it. You're lately you're getting into all kinds of different stuff. You're kind of um pushing yourself when it comes to you know what you research and what you get into. I can tell that uh you're passionate about what we're about to talk about right now. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the the bets case, is what it is. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The bets sphere, yeah. Okay, well, before uh, we get into that, man, um, why don't you plug all your stuff that you're working on, including this new book that uh, talks about what you came across, and uh, we'll run this like a Quentin Tarantino movie, you know, we'll get to the end, <laughs> and then we'll like describe how we got there. So uh, yeah, plug plug away, dude. <laughs> Absolutely. So the book is um, A Place Between Time and Space. It's a true story of UFOs, ghosts, and Florida's strangest home. Um, and it was kind of my quarantine project, you know, I, you know, I like to travel around and do international research and, you know, places that typically haven't been investigated before. Um, but like a lot of people, I found myself halting travel plans in the, the last couple of years because shit got a little weird with mm-hmm. visas and vaccines and all that. Um, so uh, instead, I did some research here in the states we did a a cross-country road trip looking into all kinds of haunted locations and ghost lights and on our way out of florida on this road trip uh, one of the first stops was the betts house this this um, famous house where this ufo story occurred and this story occurred in the spring of 1974 is when the the known story occurred and this um, occurred on Fort George Island, where this house stands. 
And it is, um, it's an island with a lot of history, uh, history dating back to uh, thousands of years of native settlement. The Timucua tribe um, lived there for thousands of years. When you drive through the island, you see these shell middens just on the road. They're like, you know, almost like driving through a little valley, but it's these oyster shell um, mounds that were, were constructed. Um, and then it was a place of where plantation, uh, a plantation was. Um, it was an original plantation, but it was later bought by Zephaniah Kingsley and it still has the Kingsley name. And he was a weird dude. He was into like polygamy and like African religions. He wasn't about Christianity. He didn't let his slaves practice Christianity. He was all about marrying multiple black women. And he was this weird character. He believed mixed race people were superior to both white and black people. Yeah, very bizarre kind of speaking of Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) Really like a fucking character. I don't want to And what what era is this in? So this is like during the slave times. Yeah, so this 1800s. was um, just pre-Civil War, 1800s. It was right when, um, actually, he owned the plantation right when um, the U.S. purchased Florida from Spain. And so he actually uh, started his plantation under the Spanish system of slavery, which much more aligned to these beliefs because mixed-race people under that system had more rights than, you know, the darker you wore, basically the less of a person you wore, which yeah, yeah. was very fucked up, but much more mild compared to the U.S. where if you were even like, if you were a quarter black, you know, you're a slave. Yeah. That's how it is. Um, and so when they had that transition, it, it was a rough one for him. He, there were all kinds of rebel groups that captured his plantation. He had a couple of them. They burned some of them down and, um, a super bizarre kind of moment of history, uh, especially because despite him having these progressive, for the time, progressive ideas, he was still bringing in new slaves, even though the Atlantic slave trade had ended. Oh, um, there was one incident where there were some 300 slaves being transported. They got stopped by the, the U.S. Navy because, you know, contraband, you're not allowed to bring any new slaves. You can trade the ones we have in country, <laughs> but you can't bring in any new ones. So they stop this boat and they're like, well, where are you headed? They're like, Kingsley Plantation. And the Navy's like, well, shit, man, we don't have like beds or space or food for 300 slaves. So I guess go to Kingsley Plantation, but, you know, don't do this again. They gave them <laughs> literally a slap on the wrist. And let him have these 300 slaves because there was just no one else around uh, Jacksonville at that time who who could care for, you know, that kind of operation. Um, So he was a weird dude. And this was around the time where weird stories and ghost stories kind of started to form um, on the island. Well, and before Uh, before we move too far ahead, you mentioned this. Is it the Timaquas, you said? Mm hmm. Do yep. you know much about them? Because I've actually never heard of those guys, and I'm not the, the uh, most like uh, you know solidified when it comes to that kind of research. But w- w- you know anything? I mean, obviously they're superstitious. They're a Native American tribe, right? Um, yeah, there there's not too much actually known about them. Unlike the Seminole and other Florida Indians who persisted longer into European settlement, the Timucua they were in North Florida, kind of into the Panhandle. Um, 
South Georgia tribe. They traded with tribes from uh, all the way in Mexico. They, they had this very established trade route. There's some known about their very little, but there's a little bit known about their religious beliefs. Um, they similar to the Seminole, a lot of ancestor worship, you know, sacredness applied to certain animals. Um, there was, uh, one, one of the very few well recorded rituals was this one of black drink. They drink this really heavily caffeinated, like dark liquid out of a, uh, shell. And I forget the active ingredient, but it was, Basically like a quadruple espresso shot, and they would use this in, in rituals and things like that, um, in addition to your typical tobacco and other things. Um, and interestingly, on the island, there is this hill, Mount Cornelia. Um, and of course, Florida doesn't have a lot of hills. It's kind of a weird piece of land. And it's actually the highest point in Duval County in the whole surrounding area. Um and it's on that ha- that hill, you know, where this native settlement was surrounding for thousands of years, um, that they built the Betts house. Um, and it was originally called the Neff house. And I prefer calling it the Betts castle because it looks like it looks like a fucking castle, really. Yeah, it's you have some whole... video of it uh, up on yeah. your social media. It's pretty interesting. And it's pretty it looks obviously like run down and like condemned almost. Mm hmm. And it's, and you know, it's interesting you bring up that tribe. I was trying to do just a quick search. I couldn't find anything at all on them. It was just the, the thing that popped up was the uh, Tanakawa or the Tonkawa was what popped up, but not not the one that you mentioned. So that's interesting. So the, the Timucua, I believe, is a T-I-M-U-C-U-A or A-U, something like that. Um, but yeah, they they weren't really well recorded. Um yeah. There was a, a Spanish mission on the island that kind of recorded some stuff, but you know how those missions be. They're not really sure. <laughs> worried about preserving the native cultures quite Yeah, the they rewrite so that there wasn't shit. really Yeah, there wasn't really a lot of effort or thought paid into to preserving this tribe. And it wasn't like the Seminoles who, you know, a few hundred years later were waging this the longest native war against the u.s in in history but they had the similar tradition you know we know from the middens that they they lived on the coast they ate shellfish you know they were a heavy fishing hunting gathering society um and yeah it's certainly believed that this location mount cornelia because of its height it might be partially midden it might be created um, there's been efforts to research it, but there hasn't really been a long-term, um, project to, to investigate it. Um, okay. But and so to, to, to be safe here, uh, just to be clear, is it like safe to say that this is on like some haunted land? Yeah. So that, yeah, absolutely. There's all kinds of ghost stories, um, from various eras. So the first person to land um, there was Jean Ribault, a French explorer. And he landed on the island, and it's actually credited as that island being the first place that a Protestant prayer was prayed in North America. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, so already some kind of occult significance apply to that, no matter what your beliefs are. Very weird. Uh, and where's the the island? I, I have a little map pulled up just so, for my own reference. Jacksonville, we're north of Jacksonville here. Go zoom in. 
Um, and yeah, stay right there at the mouth of the St. John's River. And you see Timaquan Ecological and Historic Preserve. So the yeah. islands within that preserve there. Um, and it's owned by the national parks. It's this, it's not a national park, but it's a cultural park. Um, if you go a little south from where you are there, it says Fort George Island. And so that's the island in question here. So it's uh, like a marshy land. Yep. Yep. It's cornered by one by the river. Um, then it's got the Atlantic on one side on kind of this weird curve. And then it has, yeah, the three other sides are um, pretty much marsh wetlands. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, of I course, uh, to... I was actually just doing another show and we were, they were talking about how a lot of native tribes um, of this time period, the burial rite would just be submerging someone in the, the marsh, just take their whole body and push them down into that really wet, loose mud. And it just sucks them down. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, this, this island very much lives up to that cliche of a, a native American burial site. Right. It, it yeah. totally lives up, lives up to that. And that one's, I'm a skeptical of that entire idea. <laughs> um, well, it's freaky but... to think, though, you know, because you think about the Southwest and you think about a lot of those areas that are, you know, more kind of, uh, you know, rich with that kind of mm-hmm. folklore. But it sounds like, I mean, this is a a very interesting spot. So this area is where the first Protestant prayer is is conducted, I guess. Um, but, yeah, continue with your story. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and so the Jean Ribault actually built a fort in this area. No one knows exactly where this fort was, but people assume it was on this Fort George Island. Um, and it was wiped out. They were completely massacred by the Spanish who had set up a settlement 45 miles to the south, St. Augustine. Uh, if St. Augustine, if the, the French had won that scrimmage, which they weren't, didn't even get close, it was very much a massacre. But if they had won that that um, scrimmage, Fort George Island very well could be the oldest city in, in North America. Um, so years later, they have a British fort there where it becomes called Fort George. Um, the Americans occupy the fort for a while. They build this um, plantation you're seeing the pictures for now. Um, and it becomes this really, you know, prosperous plantation until, of course, the end of slavery and the Civil War. Uh, and being the weird guy Zephaniah Kingsley is, he decides to move to Haiti <laughs> and like oh. live down there and start a plantation um, but ends up dying pretty shortly afterwards. He was a pretty old dude at this point. Um, and one of his wives, um, Anna Kingsley, a uh, black woman, she married him as like a child bride in this weird Senegalese, again, um, tradition with multiple polygamy. He had a bunch of wives, but she was number one. She was <laughs> his bottom bitch. <laughs> and <laughs> the the top lady. Um, I'm getting a scoff from Kim that wasn't culturally sensitive. Yeah, we know what a bottom bitch is. It's Um, (laughs) but she's favorite chick, yeah. Yeah, she ran this plantation on her own, essentially. She was in charge of it while he was off doing business, working at his other plantations around Florida and in Haiti. Um, so no, she was was quite an interesting figure. Again, there's a, a lot of these figures, it's hard to understand them now, right? We look back. And we have this very 
you know, North versus South view of slavery and race relations and shit. It was weird. It was weird down there. And I think one of the ghost stories best encapsulates this complexity. And that's the story of old red eyes. Um, I swear I'm going to get to UFOs here in a second, but well, no, <laughs> I got to set crazy. up the ghosts first. Yeah. Um, okay. Because it, this is a place of high strangeness and it has been for a long time. And so the story of old red eyes was a story told on this island as kind of folklore story. We're not really tr- sure how much has been altered. Um, but it was of this slave who was supposedly killing other slaves, children. He was the serial killer amongst the community. Um, and the, the community got together, figured out who it was and they, they lynched him. Um, and you know, okay. Slaves lynching another slave. When I first read the story, I was like, that's totally a, you know, like a white guilt (laughs) version of the story. But then I got to know and do the research on Zephaniah Kingsley and how he, his beliefs and how he ran his plantation. He absolutely let the slaves conduct their own justice. They had working hours. They were allowed to have their own second jobs and they could buy their freedom. He totally had this weird system set up where he wasn't getting involved in things like that. So in this weird twist, it kind of turns out that this story potentially has some more truth to it. Mm. Um, and it originates from the, well, the modern telling originates from a folklore book, but the tale is from, um, the, the community that was living on that island in the 1900s. And that's when the island went over its next change. The early 1900s, the Gilded Age hits and the Gatsby era starts on Fort George Island. They build mm. the Rebalt Club. Um, which is this fancy schmancy hangout for, for Jacksonville's elite. Um, and they build a golf course on the island. The the fields are gone and they build up this golf course. Um, and this is during the time period where the Neff slash Betts castle gets built. Um, and the, the man who commissions it is a man named Nettleton Neff. He's a railroad engineer. Um, Oh, quickly before I get into this one, old red eyes, his ghost, he was lynched, but his pair of demonic red eyes is still seen on the island. And he was this local boogeyman for the, the people around this, the, the mouth of the St. John's River. Um, if you so saw red, this red eyes, is a, eyes, red eyes is a slave, a slave's ghost, yeah, a, a, the slave serial killer. Yeah. Who, who was killed. Um, and that's his ghost. That's his, supposedly, that's the old story. But this pair of red eyes is seen around the island. Um, which, of course, if you know your paranormal stuff, that luminescent eyes is something that pops up a lot, right? Yeah, like Mothman. Pop, and, yep. Yeah, we said so, at the same time. Uh-huh, yeah, no, all right, look at that. Freaking the chupacabras, dude. Uh-huh. Like, uh, it, it happens a lot. has luminous eyes a lot of cases, yeah. It's, what uh, do you think that is before we move on? Well, Because it, I, I don't believe... In, I mean, we've talked about the paranormal stuff before, and you you want to see more proof. This is what what drives you mm-hmm. out there because of the stories, and you're very research based. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in much of the stuff, right? And, and I know that you're you're out there trying to find proof yourself. What do you think that that is? Because I don't doubt that people see this, and it's I don't think that it's um, environmental phenomena either. It's got to be something. Mm, well. 
So I'm not quite sure what the red eyes is, but I am fascinated by it because that was my kind of initial experience that got me interested in the paranormal. And I don't know if I've ever been into this on, on this show. Um, but when I was a kid, one night sleeping in bunk beds, I'm on the bottom bunk. I fall out of bed and there's a pair of red eyes, kind of like a Halloween graphic flaming on the edges, you know, staring back at me from underneath the bed. Um, and of course I'm a kid maybe eight or nine, I hop back in bed, throw the blanket over my head. I'm safe. Ride it yeah. out to the morning. Yeah, you know, no hands, no hands dangling over the edge, nothing like that. Um, next morning I wake up and, you know, I'm young, but I'm rational. And I start cleaning under the bed to look for anything electric, you know, a toy that had like a power light or anything red that could have, you know, explained what I saw. And my older brother was coming down the ladder, a couple years older than me, sees what I'm doing and asks me without prompting or anything, did you see the red eyes too? Mm. And the way he asked it, I still remember it. Not a prank. He was fucking terrified. <laughs> you know, he was freaked out. Um, and he stayed freaked out. He really didn't. He's still kind of iffy on these paranormal things. Um, for me, it was the opposite. I was fascinated. You know, at the very least, that was a shared dream. And what we know about our brains and science says that's impossible. So even the most rational explanation is still paranormal. And that was the moment where I was like, well, shit, paranormal shit is real. Well, so how much older is your older brother than you? Um, he's two, three years, two and a half, two, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. And so he got very uh, turned off by ghost stories and paranormal yeah. kind of activity. Oh, but yeah. Got... For a while, he was very atheist. He was very, like, reality-based. And he still is. He's a chemist. He's a scientist. And so um, he's a little more open-minded now because he's a chemist. <laughs> he's tried some chemicals that have opened his mind a little bit. <laughs> um, but he, again, had this very rational, like, Again, like I'm out to debunk this thing. There's no such things as that. It, it must have been something else. And ironically, that's something you find a lot in the paranormal and in psychedelics, right? Someone takes a, a mushroom. They're either going to have this, whoa, like I'm connected with the universe, like something higher exists and sure. something magical is going on, or they're going to be fucking terrified and it's going to be the worst experience ever. It's also the reaction you get to people when they get abducted right abducted yeah. by aliens they're either terrified taken in the middle of the night butthole probe worst experience yeah, ever yeah. zero out of five stars or it's the huh. opposite um it's oh well yes they took me but you know i agreed to this in my past life and we're all a cosmic um oh, those are the worst together. people space communism yeah the whole <laughs> stephen greer weird peace love and aliens stuff well let's spend um, a little bit of time on this man because uh y you actually mix this in with your research you mix psychedelics in with your research pretty heavily absolutely like. why, well, why not too too heavily oh, I, sure. I, I try to stay in uh, in reality as much as i can <laughs> yeah no not in like uh, uh i don't mean that to sound like uh you're just getting out there getting high and looking for ghosts so you, well i'm doing that too so it's somewhere <laughs> in between <laughs> okay well then so let's put it this way you you mix chemicals uh in order mix chemicals with with research right and what now what do you think that that does well it's it's 
let me put it this way. The research <clears throat> has led me to really look at these chemicals and substances as in a different light and see that there there is a similarity between the psychedelic experience and the paranormal experience. Um, and, you know, it, this isn't that groundbreaking of an idea. It's what a lot of skeptics use to debunk the whole thing. They say, oh, well, it was all in your head. Sure. Eh, there's clearly something else going on. You have people with implants. These UFOs are leaving burn marks. We're capturing them on camera now. Um, th- they mutilate cattle. You know, even Bigfoot, he leaves footprints and he throws rocks. You have the same moving of objects in poltergeist cases. There's physical things occurring that are well, well documented throughout history. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there aren't some of these aspects that are consciousness related, that are hallucinatory in some way or another. And looking at the phenomenon really and having a good amount of psychedelic experience really shows those parallels and that that reactions one of them but you have other things more specific to the experience the alteration of time right how many times do we hear missing time in ufos paranormal cases um i know a case of um some teenagers using a ouija board they thought it was 30 minutes but it was morning when they, sure. they stopped using it yeah lost time and I've had those same exact things under psychedelics where I thought I was staring at that wall for five minutes, man, and three hours have passed. How is yeah, that yeah. possible? It's really a mind fuck. But it's it's something that pops up. You have the viewing of strange worlds. And again, the, the narrative, a lot of times these abductees, it, it sounds like they're describing a psychedelic experience. You know, the, the first time on a psychedelic, it's really hard to put into words and it seems to be the same for a lot of these you know paranormal experiences um so there is something going on with our consciousness and how it interacts with reality well do you think that the consciousness whether it's a single person's consciousness or groups um and especially like in regard to like group hallucinations do you think that these can leave behind like tangible evidence like in other words do you think that you can have a a quote-unquote hallucination and then there's actually like solid evidence left behind that maybe some something actually did visit you if you hallucinate like an alien abduction but then you do have a scar on your body right do you think that it's possible that maybe you didn't get abducted but for some reason you thought about it so hard that you actually end up getting a scar well, that that would be a, the the nocebo effect, where you you believe it so hard, you have that negative health effect, and yeah, that seems to be well documented um, phenomenon around the world with people on certain belief systems. You know, you hear the story of the witch doctor cursing someone, and even though there's nothing physiologically wrong with them, they die in a couple days because yeah. they believe the curse so much. Um. And again, it's hard to say what exactly, where the line of, you know, oh, it's you willing it and it being real. And the truth is probably, it's probably those things are real in some aspect and we just don't understand them. There's this disconnect in reality between people that we we clearly share a planet. 
Sure. But we don't necessarily share realities. <laughs> and that's yeah. really what I think uh, most people are experiencing today <laughs> in modern times. Yeah, it's like border science or pseudoscience or something, right? But I mean, there's this interesting story. And I mean, there there's many stories similar to this. There's a, a an obscene amount of women that are trafficked out of Nigeria through Italy and then to the rest of Europe through that, that whole uh, train of, of people that comes through there. And in Italy, they see in like psychiatric hospitals and shit like that and asylums and things, they see a lot of uh, women that think that they have been controlled through black magic in order mm-hmm. to be prostitutes and they're trafficked, right? And they, they mm-hmm. feel the connection to their trafficker. And uh, there's just wild stories of women getting completely better and then getting a package in the mail at the hospital, seeing something that comes in this package and then just losing all their progress. And then they snap mm-hmm. back into that, you know, more like kind of, I don't know, demonic yeah. state. The symbolism really, and it it has the same powers over us though. We always point to those exotic religions because it, it, it matches the exoticism of the event, right? It's something so crazy and so foreign. We couldn't imagine it. But if you look at our country, man, we got dudes dancing with snakes in their hands yeah. in the name of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they get bit by those poisonous snakes and just don't die. It's yeah. been documented. Sometimes they do, which is a whole other thing. Many yeah. times they do, but sometimes they don't. And that's weird. And perhaps there is, again, it, it does seem like we create our own reality. And this is, one of well, those things I mean, that's... when we're getting into snakes and stuff, there's such things as dry bites and stuff. You know, like sometimes snakes will bite and they don't inject well, that's them. True, yeah. Right. So, yeah. But I hear what you're saying. Like, if you believe something hard enough, it can happen. I mean, people can, can uh, you know, manifest cancer in their own body if they're scared of it enough. And on the other side, they can, you know, believe so hard in the cure that they, they remove their own tumors just by thought. Right. And, and well, we, we know this ability we've measured it scientifically before dr jeffrey mishlove gets really into it into his encyclopedia of consciousness does all the numbers and boring stats but basically the root of it is you can influence a random number generator up to on like your best day 11 percent. yeah 11 if yeah. you're thinking even it's you've got like an 11 percent chance to make it more likely to be even than odd but they found that researching that is really fucking tricky because if you get a bunch of dudes who don't believe in it, you'll actually have that 11% in the negative. If they're running the people running the experiments are out to debunk it, they'll have such of a negative effect. They accidentally rebunk it <laughs> in this weird way and vice versa. If you have someone who believes in it, then it alters the test results. And so it's created this issue of, well, why haven't we studied ESP more? It's, it's kind of impossible. It's the same wall they're hitting in um, quantum mechanics right now. We know particles don't exist unless they're observed, but we're observers. So what's the next step? How do you continue to investigate something when you're forcibly part of the equation? And Mm. the 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 fact that we haven't is i think understanding that is where the answer lies there's this really good study done in namibia um uh which i'm going hopefully going there to do a paranormal case maybe in the next year or so what is this uh, 
Namibia, South Africa. It's on the um, Atlantic coast, just north of South Africa. Um, you've probably seen the pictures of like the sand dunes and those like ghost ships, like okay. washed up in the desert. It's it's this region. Um, and they, they did this study with um, the Kalahari Bushmen, um, these native people in the interior of the country living in this, this central semi-arid climate. Um, and it's very simple tests. You can go online and do it now. And it's nine squares, nine circles. All of them are green. One of them's blue. Clearly, that circle right there is blue. To you and I, clear as day, that one's blue. And they showed this graph to the Kalahari Bush people and they were, they were like 50 50. They were like, eh, maybe it's that one. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's that one. They couldn't quite discern it. Then they showed them a second slide, nine circles again, all of them green. One of them is one shade different green, but I can't tell. I honestly cannot tell which one's different. You it's yourself. So- yeah, it's such a slight change that most Westerners cannot pick out which circle is different. But to these Kalahari Bush people, oh, that one, clearly that one. Oh. It's as easy as picking out the blue one is for us. And um, this is a super bizarre scenario. And it's something that's um, been studied in another scientific field across the world in China. There was um, a study done with the terracotta warriors and this thing called Hunan purple, probably butchering that, but it's this essentially this seventh color that no longer existed, exists, but it was painted on these, these warriors. And we know it was a paint, but we're like physically unable to perceive this color anymore. It's this really bizarre kind of mystery. And again, it gets into quantum mechanics and shit that I'm not going to pretend like I'm qualified enough to explain. <laughs> but the reason those two examples are so good is because they are by people who are qualified <laughs> enough to explain what's going on. And the explanation is, I don't know, something fucky. Essentially, right? There's this this mystery that our reality, what we see, what we perceive and experience it's it's definitely um, more malleable than we give it credit for. We live in this materialistic society and, you know, that thing's a thing and that's what it is. And what science and what paranormal research shows, especially, that's not really the case, that there are these outliers, that reality isn't just, you know, a tape you can set your fucking clock to. Sometimes shit fucks up it doesn't play smoothly it's a game it's not a perfect video game there's glitches and that's what these outliers are and that's what we're we're science is beginning to study yeah that's very interesting dude it's it's just crazy to think like what's up that i'm still thinking about the idea and the reasoning of why uh you call them bush people some kind the well, uh, the Kalahari Bushmen. The Kalahari. Well, I think Kalahari. Bush people might be <laughs> offensive. There's, I'm well, sure isn't Bushmen? Isn't that like, kind of gendered? I mean, come on, I'm trying to. Kind of, yeah, you're the... right. Hey, man, I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> this is a secondhand thing I read here. You're getting it not from the source, so <laughs> I'm sure there's a right term for all of this. Well, yeah, uh, I don't yeah. care if if they get offended, it's fine. But I mean, you know, it's interesting that these people for some reason would see 
almost it's like they're seeing colors differently and it's probably because of the programming when they were kids there's got to be something involved with that oh yeah it definitely seems to be uh cultural definitely seem the culture definitely seems to have an element to it it's it's kind of dependent and that has definitely led me down a path with the paranormal it's something I've noticed because I've been doing the the conference circuit this year um, for the the very first time, and it's something I've noticed specifically at Bigfoot conventions. Dude, then, when's know, the last Bigfoot convention you've been to? That sounds like a blast. I've been to a couple over this summer, a couple months ago. I've been to a few, and I gotta say, not any not any black people at these uh, Bigfoot conventions. <laughs> Not a lot of, I don't think there were any Hispanic people either. It's really a white dude, yeah. uh, rural farming community phenomenon. And but it, again, it's really interesting to think about when we apply this, this filter of, well, we have different cultures, different realities, different sure. genetics to some degree, and we're seeing phenomenon differently. Yeah, the, um, the Venn diagram of like Bigfoot uh, convention people and then also people that voted for Trump is just one circle. <laughs> There's not two circles in that at all. Yeah, but, that's that's probably pretty close. That's pretty spot on. Um, it, it, again, very interesting. Um, and that's the thing I love about the paranormal, though, is because, you know, the people attending those conferences, whether they believe in Bigfoot or UFOs or ghosts, there's that extra willingness to believe and like i've never seen anyone be like shitty to someone at one of these conferences sure. you know like there it's always people getting along and stuff um because it's 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 weird right and it, yeah. you're finding this group of people who really understand that yeah weird shit absolutely happens we're not going to look at you sideways we we're we're here and um that's what I think these, I, I like going to, especially the general paranormal conferences, because then you see people, we went to one in West Virginia. And so it's West Virginia. I was thinking it was going to be a West Virginia crowd. And there were definitely a West Virginia crowd, but also tons of, of young people, queer people, people of all different colors, creeds, and nationalities. And, you know, again, who have experienced or are fascinated by these, these strange pieces, these strange artifacts in our physics. And it's, it's cool to see, especially in a time where you can't really say that about a lot of subjects anymore. <laughs> a lot yeah. of things are, are getting more and more divisive while the paranormal, it seems we're, we're moving forward towards a more unified understanding because it's, it's the the time where you could say, oh, well, a ghost is a ghost and a UFO is an alien from a different planet and Bigfoot's just some kind of monkey living in the woods. Those yeah. days are gone. We know those things aren't true individually. Well, but we do it, know something's happening. Yeah, I think it's so, safe to say that in fringe communities, I mean, there's less fighting. And I wish that we could get that in, into society in some way. Because, uh, you know, like it or not, Bigfoot, that's a fringe community. The gun community mm. is a fringe community and, and you don't see any fighting at gun shows the same way that you don't see any fighting at <laughs> Bigfoot conventions, right? That's fair. Slightly different. <laughs> the, yeah, I don't, I, I bet there's probably some well-armed people at those Bigfoot conferences though. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Might, I mean, you know, you it, might be it, something. 
Well, yeah, I think if people are armed, people don't necessarily want to fight over bullshit, right? It's uh, it's different. Mm-hmm. But I mean, take that or like a Comic Con. I don't know if there's many fights at Comic Con type things either, because all these people are kind of bonded over their own beliefs, whether they be crazy mm-hmm. or more like grounded in I've, real shit. I've seen some great uh, Comic Con breakups of couples in cosplay, like having huge fights really? with each other. But you're right. I don't think I've ever seen anyone like duking it out, like, cause they're mad at, you know, like the Naruto fans versus the fucking Dragon Ball Z fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like, you're right. Like, That's, you're right. Can food convention? I mean, you don't see many fights at conventions mm-hmm. that are niche. So um, I wish that we could find that in our society. It just doesn't seem like we can. But let's get back into your specific story. Like the reason we got, we always get on tangents here. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's why I love coming on here because you always get me going on some shit that I, I hadn't even really thought about before. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. No, uh, yeah, it's always a fun chat, dude. And it's funny how we met uh, talking shit to each other on uh, Instagram is how we actually uh-huh. As all good friendships start. <laughs> I, I think that you said one of my posts was racist or something. I think. Uh, yeah, it might have been something about like Native American burial grounds being haunted or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. But that's Some a good kind segment. of weird theory. That, um, but, yeah, that's, so let's get into but, this then. So, um, yeah, we were at 1920s, I believe, <laughs> when I yeah, left off. Back right to, when we're getting into the whole the whole house. Line. Right. So Haunted Island from all kinds of ghostly women to old red eyes. If you want all the ghost stories, pick up the book. There's tons of them in there. Now we're going to start getting into the UFO stories. There's lots of those too. Yes. Um, but first there's one more ghost story. 1920s. Nettleton Neff, he's this railroad executive out of, I believe, St. Louis, Missouri. Chicago from Chicago. Uh, I'm getting advice from my, uh, my assistant over here. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, so he was a, a railroad executive engineer, top brass, and he wanted a vacation home in Jacksonville. And he was a member at this Rebalt club, right? This fancy schmancy Gatsby hangout golf course deal. And at this, um, club, there was another man who designed and built the club. His name was Melvin Greeley. He was the Dean of Jacksonville Architects, right? And this was still back in the time where architect was like the fanciest fucking rich guy job you could have. They weren't just throwing up concrete squares and glass triangles and shit. They were really building some stuff. Um, and so Nettleton Neff came to him with this, this set of like rough drawings that he, um, that he drew up. And said, "Hey, I wanna, I wanna buy the land on this hill here on this island and build this house." And Melvin Greeley saw those, and he's like, "All right, I can do that." But you know what? These have inspired me. I'm gonna draw my own blueprints for this hill. I, I love this location. I love your vision, but I think this is the house that you should build on this this hill. And he was like, "Hell yeah, that's the one." And it is. It's this castle structure. This three story conical tower is the entrance. Um, it looks like, you know, this big turret from a castle. It has this grand hall. Um, I believe it has seven fireplaces. Um, when it was fully built, some of the wings have collapsed and some of the fireplaces with it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but it had 17 different levels. It was three stories in a basement, but there were all kinds of weird step ups and step downs, shifting 
It's really bizarre. The doors in the middle of the wall, six feet up. It's kind of like um, mm. the Winchester Mystery House. I was going to say that, but that I didn't one. want to sound like a basic bitch. Like, no, oh, it's no, like- it's to put it. It's a smaller version of that. It's kind of like a more compact version. It's bizarre. Is there like uh, hallways Greeley- that just lead into like nowhere, like a hallway with a dead end, or does it not go that far? Not quite that. It's more. There's some weird door placements and weird, um, and so there are some kind of weird hallway cutoff things. But it's hard to tell what was weird design and what was because of the collapses, the the third wing collapse. There was a third wing built on later on, and then that one was tore down. Um, Jerry Betts, who discovered the sphere, actually built that. She added another tower, um, but they ended up tearing all that down. And so there are these weird pieces of the house that don't make any sense. And it might be because there was something there at some point. Um, but... He builds this house for Nettle to Neff. And again, it's this two-door style, true-door style castle. It looks like it should be in Bavaria, you know, <laughs> not in the swamps, in the, some hill in Florida. <laughs> um, but the Neffs never get the chance to move in. The family gets struck with these tragedies right after the house is built. Their boxes are in, sitting in the house, but they never get the chance to, to arrive. Um, first Nettleton's wife dies in a fire at one of their other properties, a fire that the newspapers called mysterious. Um, then their adult son commits suicide. He vanishes from Harvard for two weeks and they find him dead in an apple orchard. Supposedly he shot himself. Mm. Um, where did he hang himself? Shit. Maybe both. Uh, <laughs> did he know the Clintons? Uh, yeah, he he, hang, he shot himself with his non-dominant hand, and he hung himself. He was Hillary Clinton's <laughs> lawyer for four years. Uh, <laughs> but Melton Neff, he killed himself as well in his office one day. You know, the guy in the next office heard a shot ring out, they kicked down his door, and he had shot himself. And so the family never moved into this house. Um, and, of course, the Great Depression hit right after the house was built as well. And so the Rebalt Club fell into decline. The golf course was just abandoned. It turned very quickly into Florida Swamp. Like the the green swallows it real quick. And when you walk around the island today, you would have never known there was a golf course there. You might see like a, a patch of sand every once in a while, like this really white sand. And you don't even think of it because it's Florida. There's sand everywhere. But yeah. that's the remnants of a sand trap of what used to wow. be this golf course. Um, and this house sat empty on this hill as the woods got thicker, people started telling stories and, oh, old red eyes, he lives in the house now. And they would see these lights, they would hear organ music and telephones ringing out, even though there's never been an organ in the house, there's telephone wasn't connected, um, didn't stop people from experiencing this ghostly phenomenon. And it Mm. sat that way for, um, nearly 50 years until Jerry Betts heard about this weird spooky house in the middle of the woods and was like, hell yeah, I'm going to buy it. And she was a, she's a character. Um, she's still around. You can buy her paintings, though. She does not talk about the, the case. Don't harass her about it. She's very, she's not into the, the UFO aspects. Um, and we'll get into why that is, but, um, she was a really, 
powerful businesswoman. And in the seventies, it was a hard thing to, to, to be. Um, she owned a real estate company and a trucking company. Um, she married, um, her second husband was a, uh, naval engineer at Mayport station just to the south of the island. Um, and so they moved into this spooky house after she heard about it. They were like, Oh, they were, she was talking about, um, funding some kind of film project. And they were like, well, we could use that spooky house out on Fort George Island. And she's like, what spooky house? And she saw it and she fell in love and she bought the place, renovated it, added a new wing. Um, and she lived there with, um, four of her children running her, her businesses until one day her adult son, Terry, is walking around the island. Some versions of the story, she was with him and they found this metal sphere. Um, and again, all of the story gets murky. It's been, it was, it got so murky at the time it was reported. And then it was retold so many times that there's several different versions about how all of this went down. One version was that there was this fire that was started in the woods by around this sphere. And that's what drew their attention. Uh, <clears throat> but they found this sphere and thinking it was something of historical significance, maybe a cannonball, you know, they're on this historic Island. They brought it home and it sat in Terry's room for two weeks, just as this mundane sphere until he started playing guitar in his room one day <clears throat> and the sphere started to vibrate and whistle. Ooh. And soon afterwards, it started to move around on its own accord and follow people around. And it, it seemed to move with this intelligence, almost like a, a pet. Like it would float or it would roll? It was rolling. It was rolling on the ground. Um, and, and it clear, would roll you, around this house. You said mm -hmm. cannonball, about four inches in diameter, six inches in oh, diameter? Oh, no, larger. I think it was um, like 22 inches in diameter. It was okay. about two feet. Um and yeah. this this uh sphere um you know initially they just started telling their neighbors and like hey come over and look at this fucking thing this is weird and soon it hit the the local media um uh, local tv station showed up um this uh local radio guy ron kravitz he was kind of like the local coast to coast he did the late night paranormal radio show back, back in the 70s yeah when terrestrial radio was the thing okay. um so he showed up to the house and he um he actually gave an interview recently with journalist Lindsay kilbride she does a great um show on uh called oddball it's five episodes it's about this case um, where she looks into it from the like is it real is it fake kind of journalistic yeah. perspective uh <clears throat> But he, in that interview, he described what he saw it. He went over to the house and, you know, the house is this weird castle. So he wanted to go outside and take more pictures of it. And as they went to go out, walk outside, the ball was sitting in the middle of the table and it rolled to the edge of the table and dangled off the edge in this gravity defying way. Like it was over it, just touching the corner and like kind of floating there. And it was wobbling at them like, hey, don't don't forget me. I want to go outside again, kind of like a pet, like a cat or something would, you know, trying to get your attention. And, yeah, he still remembers to this day seeing that and being like, oh, shit, <laughs> that was mm -hmm. fucking weird. Um, and so soon the the national media gets attention, hears about this and they start, you know, wanting to interview and investigate. 
um, the National Enquirer has this UFO panel set up. Um, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, this father of ufology, uh, many consider him to be. Um, he got involved. He investigated the sphere several times. The Navy got involved because they have that naval station right to the south. They conducted their own x-rays. And officially in the media, they said, oh, the sphere is nothing. It's this, it's a mundane, just empty metal sphere. But that was after they had told the Betts family that it was, no, there's something weird inside this sphere. Um, and before she had handed it over, Jerry Betts made them sign a contract that if it wasn't Navy technology, they had to give it back. And they were like, there's something going on. We need this. We're going to keep it. And she like was ready to go full legal team at them. And she was like, no, I'm not giving it back to you. I'm going to keep this, this sphere. And, um, so they released this statement saying, ah, no, it's nothing. And then in the media, they said, mystery sphere debunked. It was actually from a paper mill. This big metal sphere from a paper mill. They even found a guy who used to own one and they take pictures with it. And they're like, yep, same thing. No explanation to why it was moving on its own, but yeah. that's what they, they say it is. And they, the story kind of dies off. And at that point, Jerry Betts had welcomed it because the, the sphere had only caused chaos in her life, right? She was this prominent businesswoman and now she was getting legal threats from the navy she was having ufo investigators show up at her door in the middle of the night like these real crackpot kind of characters just ringing the house all hours um you know it made it impossible for her to take business calls because she kept getting ufo calls um even when she um they they started to even have some weird kind of like men in black john keel stuff when Terry took the sphere to New Orleans to this National Enquirer panel, um, they got this phone call from Jacksonville saying there was an emergency and that Terry had to fly back immediately. And when they did so, they got home and Jerry's like, what are you talking about? There's no no emergency. Not like nothing's going on, like nothing's wrong. And they thought that it was maybe the UFO panel fucking with them, trying to separate them from the sphere and stuff like that. And the family was really pissed off. J. Allen Einick actually visited them at the home afterwards and kind of apologized and, you know, really, you know, made face and or saved face and, you know, healed these relationships and had the sphere tested in different private labs and stuff like that. Um, but Jerry was pissed by this because she thought, you know, they were fucking with her. What she didn't know at that time and no one knew at that time was that unless they had just bought the Mothman prophecies, which came out that year, um, <laughs> that that kind of shit was happening all the time in those kind of high strangeness cases. People were calling John Keel's witnesses and imitating their voices, his voice. Um, and so much so that there were even doppelgangers where people were like, no, I saw you and we had this conversation. And John Keel was like, no, I was in the different place at that time. Like, I have people who were with me who can vouch that no way that conversation happened and weird things like that. Mm. So the high strangeness and the, the publicity and, you know, people calling her a crackpot and stuff, she was done with it. And so when the media debunked it, she was like, cool. Yeah. I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm done. I'm done with this story. It, that that's it. Um, and a few years later, um, she moved out of the house. Um, not exactly sure what the reasons were. 
Um, before the whole sphere thing, though, there was an article about from her describing living in a haunted house. They were experiencing all kinds of ghostly phenomenon before the sphere even showed up, uh, which, again, another interesting detail that no one in the UFO world ever talks about, right? The UFO guys are, oh, it's a metal sphere moved on its own. Must be a UFO. But there's this whole other case. The paranormal people call it the Neff House. You have the Betts case and the Neff House case, two different spheres investigating these two different concepts when it's the same same place, same story. They're yeah, that's really interesting. It makes it confusing. Right. And so... The Betts Castle, uh, as I prefer to call it now, it's the story of both of these things, of a haunted house, of a strange castle, of this weird metal sphere. But most interestingly, the story did not end in the 70s. And this was one of the reasons I really decided to investigate this house multiple times and return and try out these weird ghost code technology. I did a lot of weird stuff in these investigations. And this was the hook that convinced me something was still going on. Because um, everyone knows those now famous Navy videos that were released in 2019, filmed in 2015. Um, one the in UFOs. 2004, right. The Navy UFO videos, right. You have that gimbal one of the saucer, that black and white saucer rotating it's kind of become the the face of the UFO evidence, right? It's considered the best piece. Yeah. Um, but filmed on that same day by that same crew is the Go Fast video. So it's a metal sphere right above the water, and it's uh. hauling ass. It's going real, real fast. But what um, no one seems to mention brings up in this entire investigation, right? Most famous videos is that where that's filmed is only a few miles off the coast of Fort George Island. And that sphere, uh -huh. by what it looks like in the camera directions, is heading towards that island where 40 years ago, this family found a metal sphere, roughly the same size, that moved on its own. <clears throat> so this and, thing's trying to get back to its home or something. Well, it's it's seemingly repeating some kind of phenomenon. It's, it's on some kind of cycle. It would appear. Huh. Um, and what's really interesting is, again, the the crew that filmed that, they were running training missions off of the <clears throat> uh, airship uh, carrier, aircraft carrier, the Roosevelt. But they were stationed at Mayport Station outside of Jacksonville. And that's, again, the same station that investigated one of those spheres hands-on in the 70s. And what I uncovered to do my research um, – which they didn't know about in the 70s, J. Allen Hynek, none of the other people involved in this story, was that in the 50s, that Mayport station was buzzed by a UFO. It actually had two prior UFO incidents before they investigated this bet sphere. And so this station was already on alert on some weird stuff. You know, mm. there's always the, why didn't they spend time investigating this weird metal sphere? Uh, well, it was next door. It was right north of the island. Her husband kind of works. He was a contractor that worked with the Navy. Maybe he set it up. No, 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 no. The station was interested. They have this interest in UFOs because they directly experienced it. They got one hands-on in the 70s. And so when you consider those facts that they've had these continued experiences, 
the filming of those videos in 2015, the filming of that sphere starts to feel like a pretty weird coincidence. Yeah. There's certainly something, they certainly know a little more than what they're letting on. And of course, that's no big revelation here. Everyone, I'm sure, listening to the show believes the government's lying about UFOs in some aspect, one way or another. Not the but... audience of this show, but yeah. <laughs> you know... <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, I but... find it just, I mean, just the coincidence alone that um, the man... Uh, that that you know had the the he was the husband of the woman that found the sphere in the first place right mm-hmm. said that you know he, he, they wrote up a contract that this thing had to be given back if it wasn't navy technology and then the mm-hmm. navy ends up having footage of this thing later that to me is very interesting alone and then you're you're adding all this stuff on top of that it's a it is a hell of a coincidence well and so again the story is really blurry what we do know by the end of that month is that jerry was telling close friends of the family that the sphere had been altered that someone had fucked with it in some way and that's my words not hers said i'm like sure it's a living be... thing almost yeah she said it wasn't acting the same way anymore it wasn't doing the same stuff that someone whether it was the navy or whether it was jay allen hynek and there's even this whole theory that hynek stole the sphere there's this story that he stayed at the house and they found him fucking with it in the middle of the night and then like he like swapped it out with a bowling ball like indiana jones no (laughs) fucking way he, he he has the sphere or his family has the sphere. And this actually comes from an interview his son gave. Um, and it was kind of this innocuous thing where they asked um, Hynek's son, well, what do you remember about, you know, living in a house where your dad was, you know, Fox Mulder investigating UFOs? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, I, there was a lot of weird stuff around the house. I remember kicking around this metal sphere in the basement from Florida that was supposedly a UFO and, Da 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 da. da. <laughs> so oh. that's where this again. No one's exactly sure what what happened. Um, it reminds me of the Lochnar from uh, Heavy Metal, that movie Heavy Metal. Oh yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. That that argument. Well, the spherical archetype definitely pervades. It's like a glowing the- green thing, but just like how it's got this power to it, and why someone would want to switch it out. Um, you know, it's, it must have some sort of like either technology or some kind of power behind it. Yeah. And, and again, these fears are certainly something that is a real aspect of the, the phenomenon, whether it's videos from pilots or it's something you can go see yourself. I went to during that cross country road trip, we went to a couple locations where you can supposedly see ghost lights um brown mountain i didn't get to see one but um, my lovely partner kim she saw one um one of these weird light orbs floating out of the trees um marfa texas they have the marfa lights viewing center and you can go out there and, and watch these spheres just flying around and they the old legend is that there are the lanterns or the ghost campfires of apaches um but Mm. obviously nowadays it has all this ufo lore and the people who live out there they have these stories that are it doesn't happen often but it happens where these spheres show intelligence there was one guy out there telling the the crowd of people when we were there that he was in a school bus as a kid in this area driving down the road and one of these lights 
went right up to the side of the school bus and went up and down the row of the school bus, almost like looking into it and inspecting it in a way and then flying off. Again, showing this intelligence, but not like a supreme alien intelligence, almost like a childish pet-like animal-like intelligence, just curiosity, observance. And then off it went. And so these, these spheres, they're, it's one of these commonalities through the phenomenon that pops up over and over again. It's one that definitely deserves some attention. The sphere, the light sphere might be that base point before you throw your cultural filter, like we were talking about before, before it becomes a Bigfoot, before it becomes a UFO, before it becomes a ghost of a Civil War soldier. It's that it's that sphere. Yeah, I didn't know that's it's it's incredibly interesting to me so far. It's just uh and I mean this isn't even so are there things that are kind of like seen over the area, or is this the the like because this sounds like the foundation of the UFO stuff. Does it expand from here? Oh, well, the, the UFO stuff, absolutely. They're in that region. Um, the, there's again, the encounters at the naval station just to the south, but that whole nature preserve area, that's kind of like the first patch of emptiness outside of Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a huge metropolitan area. It's actually the worst urbanly sprawled city. It's the biggest city by urban area in the U.S because it's the worst planned city <laughs> in hmm. the fucking country. It's horrible to drive through. Jacksonville's yeah. rough. Jack yeah, I've never been stuff. there. Everything about it is, <laughs> it's fun. I'm kidding. I love Jacksonville. I <laughs> spent my summers there as a kid. But um, it, it's got its ups and downs. Let's say that. Um, I've only but, been to Daytona in Florida. Well, then Jacksonville might seem pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, I'm kidding. Florida <laughs> shit talk, you know, go Sarasota. That's hometown. Well, yeah, you I live said. there, right? Is, are you still No, there not anymore? anymore. Too expensive. Ever oh. since the MTV show, they priced us out. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Um, but anyways, that, that region, it's kind of like the first, like, remote, it's swamps, it's state park land. And when people are coastal and when people are driving those, those, highways they they see some weird shit in the skies there's a lot of black triangle ufo sightings um and that's the what's the the t3b6 that stealth uh, yeah there's that that blueprint out there i might that might have been a star worship i just said but (laughs) there's a blueprint with a name on it that describes it um well, and who knows how real that is? Because we have yeah, one of those of kinds of things. Uh, there's a big one out here in uh, in Arizona um, mm-hmm. that t- kind of ties in with the Superstition Mountains a little bit, but it's the the Phoenix Lights, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same exact thing. It's that triangular, uh, a big light. And dude, that the the blueprint of that ship is very interesting to say the least. It's it's quite interesting. But I think on our one of the previous shows, we definitely talked about this one before. Um, but I, I saw a black triangle once, still the best UFO sighting I've ever had. Everything else might have been something else, you know, can't sure. 100% say that was a UFO. That was a UFO. That black triangle, fuck me, man. That's clearly not a, a normal piece of known technology. 
but it was um it was after doing these Ouija board mushroom seances for a month and I was hanging out not actively tripping this was days after my last seance hanging out with a friend talking about these experiments and he was like oh yeah sure dude UFOs Ouija boards mushrooms whatever man and almost ironically it really seemed to be intentional almost this craft hovered over or perhaps it wasn't perhaps just having that conversation had altered our consciousness enough where the fucking cloaking wasn't working normally they're fucking cloaked mm. and we they just don't exist because we can't see that color or whatever but having the conversation that's or interesting having the maybe the um microdosed amount of substances in our system whatever it was allowed us to to witness that and just the uh, true openness to to acknowledging that that could be up there right i mean right it, again i'm not sure i can't say that's what happened i'm not going to pretend like that's yes i got a psychic message and that's the truth i don't know <laughs> but i you i have to say that's the best ufo sighting i've ever had and those are some pretty high strangeness circumstances it's not like I went out to Area 51 and I saw it take off from a fucking airstrip. Sure. You know? Coming up from a mountain and shit. Right. Yeah. That would be awesome. Then I could say, okay, well, <laughs> humans built that. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boom. Case closed. Sure. <laughs> but no, it was in these, these weird circumstances. Um, and again, this area around this island, people see these triangles. They pop up for whatever reason. The, the filter's gone um, and they can be seen. Yeah, man, that's it's fucking crazy. It's very, very interesting. So when you go out to this house, when you go and you and you do your investigating, what are you like? What kind of stuff are you seeing, or like what kind of energies are you, are you picking up? I've seen you make some videos, um, and obviously, I don't know if we talked about it on here or if you want to talk about like the land that it's on. Did we mention that while we were recording? Yeah, this- yeah, absolutely. We talked about that. Yeah, um, it, again, it's on that highest hill. It's literally the house on Haunted Hill. Like it's, it's all of the cliches you could think of. But I was Is talking you... about how it's behind, like, like on the type of land that it's on. I didn't know if you wanted to oh. mention that. Oh yeah, the um, and the aspect of the marshlands. Or... No, the government land. I can edit this. Oh, out. Oh, okay, you know. yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no. I, I've, I've written them a letter. Uh, okay. <laughs> saying, hey, yeah, I snuck into the house. Um, but no, yeah, I, I, yeah. Don't sue me and maybe save it. <laughs> if you're like going to come after me, you'd, you'd save the money and like put it towards the house. <laughs> Essentially, sure. is what I'm saying. And um, for everyone listening to this episode, in the description, there'll be a link to a petition to sign yeah. to help save this house. And that's the, the main goal I want to accomplish with this project. Um, Sure, pick up the book if you want to hear all the weird, spooky stuff that happened in the house. I'm not going to give away too much. Okay. If you want to hear all the details, pick up the book. Um, but definitely, even if it's the only thing you do today, please, please sign that petition um, to get the house recognized as a historic landmark. Um, again, built by the area's most famous architect. That already is enough to make it a historic landmark sure. without all the crazy stories attached to it. So let's... Let's get this done. Bipartisan, no political movement attached to this. Sure. If you like spooky stories, or even if you just like history, 
please sign the petition. Yeah, there's, uh, I can't imagine any kind of political implications that would be involved in just like trying to save a, a, a historic landmark. I, it sure seems historical for sure. Now, why is the government trying to bring this house down? Like, uh, what, what's the purpose? Or Because there's nothing that they can fucking build out there. It's a marsh. Well, it doesn't seem like they're trying to destroy it. it it's more like it's fallen in between the cracks of fucking bureaucracy. You know, it's, I, I tried to get a statement from them on the house and no one seems to know who's in charge of maintaining it. <laughs> I got like, cause there's a couple different parks in this area and overall the area is managed by the national parks, but the state parks have their own parks within the national park. And so no one really knows my impression. They gave me an email address in Tallahassee eventually, and no one ever got back to me. So there's no, there's no thought to it. And it's not that it's being demolished by them. It's being demolished by the Florida swamp. It's being swallowed. Um, and it's, that's creepy in itself. It's like being swallowed by the land. And and well, that's the to answer your your question is why did I pick this project? It's because I went out there and it it's one of those places where I'm not psychic or anything like that, but you know I, I trust my gut. I got it's pretty stuck good with you. instincts. Yeah, there's very few places I can count on. I've been to a lot of haunted places all over the globe, North and South America. I can probably count on one hand the places that I've been to and I'm like, Oh no, this is fucking weird. Something, this is a weird one, you know, where like it just genuinely feels like it. And that was one of those places. Well, obviously we're focusing on this one here today, but can you name like a couple other ones that were really interesting Um, just in case people want to look it up? So uh, another one that's accessible here in North America, um, there was, uh, there's the silver run tunnel in West Virginia and West Virginia has got a lot of great, haunted locations, asylums, hotels, Mothman Museum, all that stuff. Great place. But the Silver Run Tunnel slash Tunnel 19, it's outside of this weird town called Cairo, which is built into this cliffside. It's the whole, the whole, whole town is a couple blocks, big old Freemason Lodge, and pretty much a bunch of empty buildings. (laughs) And it's, the the town is eerie and then this tunnel it's in the middle of nowhere it really is the deep woods in the mountains and it's this long bending tunnel pitch black where i don't know man that's a weird one and so the story is a good story it's a a really good story which all these places okay tend to have um so it used to be a train tunnel now it's like a horse part of like a horse trail if you want to ride your horse through West Virginia. You sure. can go through this trail, but you're going to have to go through this haunted tunnel. Um, and back when it was a train track, there was, they were, they were riding through it one night. The engineer, um, saw this woman in a white dress standing on the tracks inside this tunnel. And it was too late. They were coming around the curve. It was too late to slow down and they plowed right through her. Well, they stopped the train, they get out and they, search up and down the tunnel. There's nothing, no bodies. And, and so the rumor of the ghost woman of tunnel 19 starts spreading through the tracks, you know, the railroad people that are like, kind of like sailors, superstitious. Right. And there was this one dude who was like, nah, I'm not afraid of any ghosts. No problem. I'll run this route. And he's, he's going through and sure enough, he gets to the tunnel. And there's the woman in the white dress 
and he plows right through her, keeps going, blows through the next couple checkpoints. And when he gets to the, the next station, they're desperately flagging him down and he stops and there's a woman stuck in this cow catcher. Um, she had mm-hmm. been a physical woman and it's this weird kind of like future premonition. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. You know, this weird ghost of the future. And I love bizarre stories like that. There's one from a house in Mexico City. Um, it's this really weird house. It's painted all black. It's got this weird moon on the side. And the house is, the story's kind of got this weird similarity to it where this kid snuck into it when it was abandoned one time. And in this top room, he saw the ghost of this man floating, like broken neck, hanging his feet, not touching the ground. Really classic horror movie kind of ghost floating in this room, freaked him out, traumatized him. And then years later, he snuck back into the house and hung himself in that exact same room. And he had drawn all these pictures that ended up resembling of the ghost he saw, but it resembled his hanging corpse to the mm. the, the people who found him. So uh, again, weird story. Good story. It's a fun uh, that one. House not, uh-huh, I love it's a good twist on your classic. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I, I hate a ooh, and there was a guy in the Civil War and he died here, so <laughs> he's still hanging out. Like those ones don't do much for me. Yeah, <laughs> those story are like one of the that. Most, yeah. That's a, dime a good a dozen. fucking story. Uh-huh. And I think it's really, it more encapsulates when a story has that element. Uh, again, I don't know how true that Silver Run story. That's the, it's the story who, it doesn't sound true. I could say that much. You know what I mean? It sounds really good. It's a great story. It doesn't necessarily sound true, but the, the stuff it, um, it suggests the that weird alteration of time you know there's there's these core things what creates a spooky story why did they come up with a story at this location well it's weird and it's not weird like ooh, there's a ghost here it's weird like it's a liminal space that's the terminology we use nowadays and i love it i'm all here for it it's a liminal space it's something off it Reality in this spot, for some reason, tends to fluctuate more often than not. And that's what those those kinds of stories, you know, they tell us about an area. And those areas, they tend to be, again, when you show up to them. And because I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. But when you show up to a place like this house on Fort George Island or that tunnel in West Virginia, it. it there's something to it. You feel that liminal feel. You, it has that sensation about it, you know, as compared to any of the like haunted places in St. Augustine where really cool building, really great history, interesting, historic, but it doesn't, you know, you're not walking in there and expecting to see a ghost, right? Sure. Some of these Have places, you been... it, it feels like that. Have you been to the uh, Superstition Mountains out here in Arizona? No, I really want to. I wrote a great article um, about machete-wielding men in black, which took place in the Superstition Mountains. Um, It's on my my bucket list uh, of places to go hang out. I'd really like to get out there too. It sound we watched a, a fake a mockumentary, you know those, uh, you know Blair uh-huh. Witch Project style. Oh things. yeah, the best, <laughs> dude. I love those so much. I want to make yeah. one one day. It'd be it's like a goal of mine to make one. Oh, I made one as a kid. It's gone. No one can find it. it doesn't. Oh exist fuck! Anymore. But I made one as a kid. It was pretty good. It was around this like 
pharmaceutical trial. It was really well thought out. <laughs> really? Damn, that's yeah, pretty dope, dude. Pretty good. I'd love to make one, man, like and put some effort into it, like get like a cast and all that kind of stuff. But I'd like it would be kind of fun to do one in a setting like that because I mean there's a cave out there that's that's pretty pretty interesting. Um supposedly you can't take any rocks or anything from there or you'll get cursed. And Kim, uh, I, you know, date a girl named Kim too. And she, I <laughs> guess, as a, right. I guess as a kid, she took a rock from there and uh, she had a rough childhood, dude, very rough childhood. And um, it started relatively soon after this. And so she's a full believer in this, uh, you know, idea where like, whether it's a, a piece of gold that you find out there, whether it's a rock, whether it's a nail from a railroad or something from the mine, do not take anything from there um yeah it's cursed or you get cursed yeah and i think that that's very interesting and you know i know someone firsthand that that believes in it through experience so yeah dude I don't, i'm not big into this kind of ghost stuff but there's some really cool stuff out here in arizona that seems to be uh like jerome is an interesting mm-hmm. city well and that's why the superstition mountains though seem to be one of those locations where it's not just ghost stories you have all your like lost dutchman's mine yeah yeah yeah. that's it the lost dutchman yeah but um you also have all the weird ufo shit the like i was saying the men in black story the that one's a great one um the phoenix lights go through there too yeah so this dude um god i can't remember his name he was mado maddox something like that um but uh he was actually a hollow earth guy and he was okay. trying to find hollow earth entrances. Like he thought like the lost Dutchman mine was like an elevator to, you know, the hidden, hidden, um, Shangri-La. And uh-huh. he, he was doing all kinds of weird research and he thought the UFOs were coming from, from, you know, inside the mountain and things as well. In Arizona and, here. And uh, yeah, in the superstition mountains. And like he was that, up yeah. in the mountains one day driving up this trail and I'd really love to find the trail. I'd love to trace his route on this. Um, and he was looking for one of these entrances with his adult son and they were parked in this car watching um, a UFO over the mountaintop and these two dudes with machetes walked out of the woods like middle of nowhere. Like again, on the mountains not even the woods because you know that terrain it's deserty rocky stuff they just walk up this hill these two dudes shirtless wearing um machetes and why they're men in black they they had black pants and they got into a black car so they're still men in black um (laughs) but like they were like what the fuck's up with these guys and like they were clearly walking towards them and they were like getting freaked out so they drove down this trail back to the main highway and then they like parked and they saw this, and again, they were up there. There was no other cars or anything. These two dudes walked out of the middle of nowhere. But then after they pulled down to the highway, they stopped, and they see this black car coming back. And the two dudes pull up next to them. They get out of this car again with their machetes and start walking towards their car. And so they book it. They book it down the highway. Um, and they eventually stop at this gas station and, like, park around back and, like, go inside and, like, have a sandwich. And they're, like, walk, watching out the window. And they see this black car cruise down the highway. And huh. They lost him. Um, and he later would go on to write that he believed there was a tribe of like Native Americans who kept the entrances guarded and that that must have been who it was. And like that's, you know, they were keeping the secret entrance to Agartha, <laughs> you know, 
That's protected no. with their machetes. Uh, well, really interesting it, story. Isn't the story? Um, I think it's a Christian story where it says that like there's there's three passages to hell, and I think hell could be a Garth, it could be like Hollow Earth, or just kind of disguising as that. But there's an entrance to hell through the bottom of the sea and in the middle of the desert and then also one in the center of israel they say <laughs> so i think that would be kind of interesting if who, who said that one... last one palestinians <laughs> no no it, it, jewish people did jewish yeah? people made that up. yeah is that why they need the holy land they're guarding it <laughs> I, I who fucking knows dude have you seen that movie because I, I since you love these mockumentaries i'm trying to find if i can get an answer from kim what the superstition mountain movie is yeah i'd um, love to watch i'll watch it tonight because oh uh, dude it's... my kim loves those kind of those her favorite kind of horror movie oh me too so. hands down dude i feel uh-huh. like the four of us could have a great movie night with a little bit of booze and some weed or something hell yeah dude. but no um the uh I'll, I'll get it i'll call her if i have to right now i texted her but the uh there, in the meantime watch israel it's called israel spelt with a z or no i'm sorry jerusalem spelt with a z Jerusalem. Okay, it's the same same kind of concept, but it's um, it's got like the Nephilim involved. It is a mockumentary. It's filmed through a girl's Google glasses. Her dad got her Google glasses. Oh, that's Christmas. interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's great, dude. So yeah, if you're writing it down, dude, I recommend you fucking watch that shit. Uh, Jerusalem is great, and I'm gonna have to call her before we wrap this up and see if she can <laughs> no help me out here. Um. But yeah, you got any good uh, mockumentary recommendations in the meantime? Um, you know, I haven't seen a good one. Uh, back into the okay, so this one though is it's a little older, but it's um not that older, but it's definitely in relation to what we were just talking about those weird time stories. Check out Lake Mungo, Lake Mungo, I think it is Mungo. Um, it's a I, I think it's. it's no, it's Australian. Spanish? Australian? I don't know why I'm all confused on this one. I know why. <laughs> I smoked a bunch of joints. But it's really good. It's a good one. And it's got a weird, like, time travel-y twist uh, at the end where it's kind of like the, the Silver Run tunnel story, A Ghost of the Future. Um, so, yeah, that's a good one. Lake Mungo. Lake Wungo? Mungo, it's M-U-N-G-O, I think. Okay. Okay, so I found this one. It is called Dark Mountain. And Dark Mountain, okay. Yeah, I recommend that you watch this ASAP. This is it right here. Um, it's uh, the beginning of it. They go through and they ask people um, that live in the town about it. And um, yeah, it's... Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Look, love it. I, I always love... Because... Um, I don't think a found footage ever gets higher than a six on the ratings. They always hate found footage movies. And that's how I know I'm going to love it. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> let me show you we trailer here. Like this fucking movie sponsoring my damn podcast. <laughs> yeah. Fucking dangerous world. Spark sponsored by Dark Mountain. Yeah, dude. And a promo theaters, code. And a promo code danger. <laughs> For the first 15 minutes free. Okay, Travel yeah, back in time to 2013 oh, and go see it. Great movie. Come on. What was the last story you heard of people going after the Dutchman? Can you hear? Not a day goes by, somebody, at least one or more people, are in that mountain looking for the Dutchman's gold. 
gold in his mind was so rich, he would make millionaires out of 20 men. We're on the right track. This is going to be a really amazing trip. I can feel it. You know, you hear stories of the Superstition Mountains. Like, John. Yeah. People believe in this. What do they call it? Vortex. Vortex. The Apaches considered their thunder god's domain. It was taboo to even go in there. I've heard about the curse, yes. What have you heard about it? Well, it seems like everybody that goes looking for the gold ends up missing or, or dead. Oh my god! Fuck! There's no such thing as ghosts or curses or spirits. Whatever the fuck you want to call it, okay? Oh! Am I the only sane person here? Oh! What the fuck is here? step off that trail you're in no man's land that looks yeah. fun dude it's great it was really good i was pleasantly surprised i haven't seen a good one of those in a while it gets a little blair witchy towards the end but it is good oh we're still playing here sorry but yeah no it's good stuff i recommend it to anyone out there not just you but um yeah, yeah phenomenal stuff man i'm uh i'm i'm happy with the stuff that you do man and the stuff that you share it's uh it's great stuff now uh, one more time plug the name of that new book and uh anything else that you want people to go find you on instagram your website all that stuff yeah the new book is a place between time and space uh, a true story of ufos ghosts and florida's strangest home um link in the bio uh, or description of this episode um and then of course you can also find that link to the bets castle petition help save it to get it recognized um, I love to do a found footage documentary with the house, maybe as a fundraiser to help raise funds to get it saved. That'd be um, great. The first step, the first step to all of that is uh, signing this petition and getting it recognized. Um, so please, please go sign that. Um, as for me, you can find all of my work at chazofthedead.com, um, podcast appearances, projects I'm working on, uh, my Patreon, my books. My articles, I write monthly for Paranormality Magazine. Go check out those guys. They published this new book. Um, they're doing awesome stuff over there. Yeah, he's uh, great. You can, fi- you can find me on social media at Chaz of the Dead on all the things, the TikToks, the Twitters, the Instagrams. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Of course, dude. It's always a pleasure, man. You uh, you always bring some very, very interesting perspective and topics and all the good stuff, man. So um yeah dude let me know if you ever go to the superstition mountains it's not too terribly far for me i can maybe make it up there and we can uh we can go investigate some shit together i don't know what the hell i'm doing but i'll just uh try and learn a thing or two oh man hell the, the, my my investigative uh equipment people are oh what do you use spirit box blah blah no nah, man my number one piece of equipment is some dude next to me watching all this weird shit happen i'm down <laughs> right. dude I'm not making it up. People know I'm not just spinning a yarn. So that's the the key is a second witness. I'm about <laughs> it, dude. I'll bring I'll bring paranormal a dog investigations. Too. Hell yeah! I I bring my dog uh, most places <laughs> I go to. He's he's a little scary cat. Um, afraid he of his own shadow. <laughs> no, you know, on investigations, he just sits there. He hangs out. If we're like. If he sees like a statue, though, man, he fucking hates statues. Like, for whatever reason, he can't comprehend a fake thing, you know? 
I wonder weirdo. if there's something to the statues that he's afraid of, though. <laughs> Who knows? There was one in uh, West, in um, yeah, West Virginia, Point Pleasant, Chief Cornstalk, who supposedly cursed the land. He was really freaked out by that one. Damn, <laughs> he yeah, did that, not I, like his statue, dude. It is scary when dogs and kids are are like looking at something and that that you can't see. There's something real freaky about that, man. Uh oh, yeah, talking to like the vents or something. Oof, Oof. fuck all that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, man, always an honor um, and, a, and a true pleasure to talk with you, brother. Have a good one, and I hope that we can get this Betts Castle saved, man. I think uh, yeah. it sounds like a, a big deal with, uh, as you say, spooky Florida, and I think that that's important, man. We need to save that kind of shit. Absolutely. So. Thanks for helping me get the word out. Of course, man, anything I can do, and thanks for coming on. And until next time, guys, uh, we will uh, talk to you soon.